Hey friends, over 50% of your community doesn't believe Jesus is God. Crazy, but true. This giving season, you can use your generosity to change that statistic. My name is Bill Woolsey. I lead 5-2, a network that trains the Christians who know how to create new ways for people to meet Jesus. When you donate to 5-2, you bring Jesus to hard-to-reach communities across the U.S. You help women and men turn their God-given dreams into ministries and businesses that make an eternal difference. Ministries like shelters for sex trafficked women, mobile neonatal clinics and mobile food pantries, support groups for single moms, homeless ministries, coffee shops that double as worship spaces, new congregations and campuses, all examples of wonderful opportunities for people to meet Jesus that have been started through 5-2. Our fundraising goal between now and the end of the year is $175,000. Meeting that goal would mean equipping hundreds of visionary starters and creating thousands of new relationships with Jesus. Go to 5-2.com slash donate to give a gift today so more people Come to know Jesus tomorrow. Welcome to the Start New Podcast, where we help you love your community and start great ministries that reach it. My name is Abigail Taylor. And I'm Bill Woolsey. We're part of the leadership team of 5-2 Network, and we'll be your hosts. Let's get started. Hey, Alan. Good to, yeah, good to see you. Awesome. Great to be seen. You're, Great to be here. You, you've got like a better mic than I have. That's incredible. So, uh, this is a, <laughs> this is my wife's uh, 20, $20 Amazon big boy deal, something that I didn't even know was coming. And I can't believe the compliments I've gotten on this as a newbie to the <laughs> profession. It's like incredible. Like, yeah, it's amazing. I picked it out myself. Like uh, no, your wife <laughs> did it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Alan, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, we're excited to hear from you and to get to know you better. Uh, the Our staff, as they were looking over your bio, they were all excited. They're like, hey, we got to really you know, ask this guy questions. It's like he has his finger in everything. Uh, kind of a, a, a renaissance, uh, kind of a Christian renaissance guy for sure. So uh, really, thank you very much for being with us. It's absolutely my honor. And uh, I love the fact that you've kind of put the jack of all trades, master of none thing in that, in that uh, aspect. But yeah, I do. I do. Uh, I, I enjoy a lot. And I've just been blessed to be a part of a lot of things. I'm starting to figure out kind of like where my place is <laughs> in all these different worlds. But it's definitely an honor to be here. Well, starting to figure out that's uh that's like that's like perfect because I think we're all especially as we take transitions in life and our whole phrase of start new things, it's like we almost go back to zero in some areas, right? You know, you kind of start all over again. It is like that. I think that's one of the the blessings of uh, I guess being a musician, creative kind of thing is that um, one of the things I told a lot of people is as a pianist, I've always admired people who could play other instruments because they have to start over. And I could never be a beginner again, even though I'm a teacher, I just, I get so frustrated with that idea of being, being a beginner, but in other areas, yeah, it's like you, you pick up a new discipline, you pick up something else and God kind of starts you from square one and, and teaches you that humility of say, Hey, you know, you can learn this, but you have to be, you know, willing to, you know, get the, get on the ground floor and use those same principles each time. It's absolutely been something that I've, uh, it's been, it's been a blessing for me because it's allowed me to get into these different areas without feeling overwhelmed, even though sometimes the temptation is to get overwhelmed at the top. Well, Alan, I suspect a, a number of our listeners are going, so like, Alan Paul, who is this guy? 
uh, why is he on Start New? So, so give us a, a little uh, a synopsis, you know, as we were looking through your bio and listening to you. Uh, you've got the God in gigs. You used to have Homeschool Daddy. You're a musician. You've already mentioned that. Uh, talk to us just a, a little bit about your your family and your your life and what you're doing and 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 how you you find yourself in this in this uh, situation. Well, thanks, Bill. Yeah, I, I have my I do have a long and winding road. And uh, one of my favorite verses off the top is "All the paths of the Lord are full of mercy" from Psalm twenty-five and ten. Because I have definitely taken many different paths. Uh, just to kind of summarize, I am a, uh, a as you mentioned a musician an author, a creative coach. And uh, now I, you know, I kind of call myself like an entrepreneur that's trying to help creatives to build better lives from the inside out by applying timeless spiritual principles that all comes from, you know, my background and faith. Grew, grew up in church, uh, but, you know, as a, as a Lutheran, actually, my background is Lutheran back when I was uh, in Pensacola, Florida with my mom and my dad, where my, they still reside up there in the panhandle of Florida. Um, so I grew up there and then uh, was a musician all the way through high school and, you know, came down here to Miami, Florida for college, majored in jazz studies and music education. And uh, that led me to the educational field. And that's where I spent most of my time in terms of uh, learning to teach music, elementary school, band, all these different things, you know, I had a lot of fun with that and still do still consider myself a teacher and educator. And the second half of my life is as ministry, um, did a full-time ministry at my church, uh, previous church and now part-time music director at my uh, current church. And uh, then the third section is the writing and the education and the teaching in terms of musicians, creatives who want to kind of like combine those areas of entertainment, arts, inspiration, and kind of just how, you know, I call it the gig life. Like how do you handle freelancing and, and entertainment in this crazy culture where secular and sacred kind of come together in our, a lot of our fields. So I hope that gets it in a nutshell. <laughs> oh yeah, no, that's, that's, that's fantastic. There are lots of things that I want to, I want to double click on, but I, I can't let it go by. Uh, you, you said you used to, you, you grew up Lutheran. So that's my background. What, what branch of Lutheran uh, were you? It was Missouri Senate, actually. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's, that's, few... that, is, that is my background. Yeah, awesome. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 all the catechisms, everything. I, I, oh, really, yeah. I really attribute. <laughs> and it's funny that I, and it's funny when I even was listening to some of your previous podcasts and I was picking up on some of the language. And I, I think there is something <laughs> in, my, in my background. It's kind of like gravity. Oh, I noticed, I noticed uh, this culture. I noticed this, this feeling of being in this place. But yes, I, I attribute a lot of my, uh, my dad is still a, uh, my dad and mom are still there, Jehovah Lutheran Church in, in uh, Pensacola. Um, oh, wow. One of the few, one of the few uh, African-American, fully African-American, hmm. or mostly African-American uh, ministries, in, you know, Lutheran Church, obviously, you know, we have a very diverse, but there's not that many that are, you know, we're not that diverse, so you don't have to say that. We're, <laughs> unfortunately, we're not that diverse. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, it's something I learned quickly. Again, that we, I remember going to some of our uh, our youth gatherings, and yeah, I, I I caught on pretty quick that maybe we, we were a little different from everybody else. But the key was that I I, I appreciated so much of the of the grounding of the foundation in terms of scripture. And it you know back when I used to think about possibly going to into ministry full time um, uh, in Concordia and all these other things, that was one of the things that really cool that the, the combination of education knowing what you believe, understanding what you believe. Amen. And Amen. that part, I think I've carried all the way through my adult life is, is definitely, is definitely something that I, I still go back to just knowing what you believe in memorizing is not <laughs> something you should forget about and, uh. you know, cast aside, just, you know, being able to, to, to say what you believe and have that kind of apologetics background that definitely grounded me. 
That that is that is so so well said that too often uh, we we don't understand or appreciate that those fundamental things that drive our lives are going to come out right. Uh, they're going to come out and. And we want to make sure that there's a good foundation laid there so that when we build something new, we're building on a good foundation. And it's also then communicating this Jesus that we obviously love and adore. Uh, so you're a worship leader. My son-in-law is a worship leader over in the Phoenix area. Uh, is, is piano, keyboard, that's your that's your instrument of choice? Yeah, that's that's choice. And the only one, like I said, <laughs> I, I played a little bit of baritone and, uh, and low brass in band, but never enough to, uh, to, to even pretend that I call myself a multi-instrumentalist. So yeah, piano is my, the, the instrument I, I, I hang my hat on. Yeah. Uh, my, my son uh, plays, plays piano. My son-in-law is a guitarist, but like you said, you know, he's got some multiple uh, instruments there. So, so you, you found yourself, you know, God led you into that space and he prepared you in the training and the teaching uh, space of music, which you've now uh, taken that passion and you're using it in, in new ways. Explain to us, uh, I want to get to God and gigs, but I also am just curious, what's a creative coach when you say that? What does that, what does that mean? I had to uh, think for that question because it's, it's funny how trying to find, I guess, the labels for what you do when you are kind of like have all these different passions and, and things that you like. And then someone says, what do you do? And then that's the first question usually we ask when you meet somebody. It's like, oh, you know, I could say I'm a musician and I could say that I, you know, I, I, I but in terms of God and gigs, uh, what I realized is that what I really try to do is I really try to help people along the path. I really consider myself uh, an educator, as I said. And I guess the new nomenclature for that is a coach or a consultant, someone that kind of walks alongside someone um, who doesn't necessarily have all the answers, because I definitely don't have all the answers, but I, I am pretty good at finding little uh, keys and moments where someone might have not considered something. And so where I may have not been on a huge stage and say at Grammys, or I may not have been in the White House, or I may not have been in some of these stages that I've, uh, the podcast guests that I've uh, interviewed, they've been on those stages and I, I have no idea. But there are different things that we do have in common and I'm pretty good at picking out things that can help them in their daily walk and their life. And so I consider myself, ability, my ability to balance those, those areas of creativity, relationship, and just how to handle life in general. I think that's where the coaching side comes in. The creative, obviously, because I'm already a creative. I, I just, you know, live in that world of music and arts and it all comes together. But the coaching side is, I think, where I guess, you know, you can't call yourself a creative teacher or creative educator. So coach seemed to fit best in terms of how I help people, you know, who, who come into my community and seem to have the same concerns and the same, same, same issues. And, and I, would, I would think, uh, again, knowing how my youngest uh, approaches life with that music that's so uh, a part of who he is. But then especially my son-in-law, whose entire life revolves around that, and his kids, they just get it. There is a certain different kind of wiring in creatives. Uh, and, and, and talk about that. Like, what, what do you see different there that, that because you're wired that way, uh, when you look at the world, they just see the world a little differently? I, I love this kind of question because one part always, uh, one part of me always goes to this idea of, well, are there creatives or there right brain and left brain people, right? The idea okay. of there's, there are certain people that are business minded and then there's people, people that are just artistic, the artistic kind of 
people that just see everything in color or they see everything in music, like you mentioned, like, you know, I grew up, I remember my mom and showing me pictures and, and videos of me playing piano when I was like three or four and just the idea that I was <laughs> born for this, right? These artists are born into it or maybe the, the genius complex of Mozarts and people like that who are gifted beyond you know, just gifted by God to do certain things. And I believe in that. I believe that, you know, there are certain people that are simply wired, as you said, and gifted for creativity. But I also uh, very, I'm very wary of it because I do feel like it then tells everybody else on the spectrum that if you didn't have a painting it's a, it's a background. either or kind of Right. Thing. I'm very careful about that. So I actually, I was thinking about this today, even as I was getting ready for the interview, I was looking at my Instagram bio, just say, okay, well, what does it say? And when it says, I serve creatives, and I said, well, why did I write that? Why did I use that term? I serve creatives. And I realized it's because at some point it includes everybody. I'm a servant, uh, but everyone is creative because we are, served, we are created by a creator. And it, you know, he made us in his own image. Creators, the creator could say, made creatives. That's just natural. We are all born with that in, internal instinct to as your podcast said, you know, we start new, we create things that are new. If it's a business, it may look like, you know, science, it may look like math, but in certain ways, we are bringing something out of nothing that God provides us the ability to do. So I'm always, you know, I love the fact that we can talk about creatives that obviously I serve that are more performing arts, visual arts, uh, uh, writing, directing, these types of things that are very much considered in the art space. But I'm also very quick to say, especially in this day and age in the, in, in the 21st century, creativity is really something we all have to be a part of because it is what we live in day by day. As the world changes, we have to look at the world a different way. And we all creatively, you know, quote unquote, mm -hmm. have mm -hmm. to change the way we look at things and, and, and adapt and change. And I think that always ties into the creative mindset, whether or not you're a performing artist or not. That very well said. Uh, you know, we, we do a lot of work in the, in the church space and with congregations. And right now in the COVID pandemic, uh, they're having to recreate themselves in many ways. And so that, that spectrum of creativity, uh, you, you have been called though, especially to the performing inside those, those Uber, we want to say creative artists who know how to paint in, in ways with words and music that some of us just sit there going, I have no idea what he, what he just did or she just did. So talk to me then about, cause you, you've made a switch, uh, recently here, uh, into God and gigs. And so uh, I happen to see you on video here today on Zoom, and so I can see there in your background uh, what you have behind you. But talk to us about God and gigs. You mentioned earlier about the gig life. Uh, and we're not talking about tech here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're, we're <laughs> talking about... Yeah, slightly slight computer different. guys. Yeah. No, 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 no. But we're talking about this uh, music gig. And uh, I know, again, my son-in-law said, you know, there is something exciting about that, but that's a hard that's a hard life, especially to stay true to your faith and and stay true to your calling. So, talk about why God and gigs. Well, again, I, I appreciate even as you're talking about your son, I can already already feel like that kinship. 
because no matter whether you're inside the church, which is kind of like where I started, obviously, I, you know, I, I was not playing some, some uh, musicians obviously get right into the field of playing for other, you know, um, for bands and for, you know, clubs and things like that. That was not my experience. My experience was directly, as I mentioned, my, my Lutheran church and then Baptist church. And so I've always been a church musician, um, you know, since, since the beginning, since, you know, eight or nine years old, starting in church choir. So long story short of God and gigs is, uh, around 2008 or nine, I just started feeling a calling from God. I was full-time in my church, uh, currently a minister of arts, everything, you know. And, and I just started feeling this, this, this push that I was going to be moved, that God was going to move me in another direction. Did not know what direction he was going to move me. But I did know I had a jazz degree in performance, and I had at the at the <laughs> time. By, for those of you who are not musicians, a jazz degree is like the pinnacle. I mean, this guy can uh, more more like more likely than not can do stuff. You know that just I, I had spots, to work. Yeah, so. I had to I had to, I had to survive. A, had to survive a crucible to get that to get that <laughs> yes, piece of paper did. for sure. But uh, the reason why I mentioned that particular thing is because uh, I think a lot of people may assume that oh well you know again that kind of either or either you're a church musician or you are working in, you know, the, 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 the mainstream, I call it mainstream. I try not to use the word secular because it even kills that divide. I just say the mainstream arts. So they're working in that area. And there's assume, assumption, I thought even at that time, that, well, I could only do one or the other. Well, as God kind of started moving me away to the idea that I may be moving from this ministry and God kind of shifted me to, you, mean, you know, you saw my bio house, I became a homeschooler and stuff like that. And I just knew I was going to be moving on. So at the time I realized, well, are there any resources for me if I decide to start playing again and working in the, you know, in the entertainment space again? And sure enough, you know, God kind of gave me that confirmation. I did make that move a very, very hard, you know, tough time. I don't talk about it a lot, but it was was one of those times of kind of, you know, God drew a line in the sand. Are you you going to trust me? Because I was walking away from everything I knew in ministry, I thought. Uh, but when I you, got, you, so you kind of had that, you had that either or siloed mentality. Exactly. That That's why I, I, I understand when people say, okay, well, what are you trying to do? You're trying to mix the worlds. I was definitely at that place where I felt God had told me, well, you know, no more. Uh, there was a point I didn't even want to play weddings because I was afraid, oh, you know, a Stevie Wonder song might pop up or something. <laughs> is, and I, I, I was, I was kind of like on that uh-huh. much, t- I don't want to use, you know, I used the term wrong, but I, I was too much on the fundamental side of things when it comes to, you know, being almost anti-life and anti-creativity and just saying, oh, everything has to belong to God, can only be in this space. And so I think God kind of had to move me to this place where he was going to use me to serve creatives outside of the church, but I was still serving the church by serving right. creatives That's outside. Right. By the capital C. Definitely. Exactly. So I think where I got the, the key of this whole uh, shift was once I realized I was going to be moving in that area, I needed to find resources to help me navigate what you just said, the intersection between how do you balance the calling? How do I make the right decisions? And I have to tell you, except for a couple of resources that are some friends of, friends of mine that have some really good ministries, there really wasn't much out there. So I honestly started writing what I needed. I started writing down a pamphlet, uh, seven steps of, that I believed would help me stay focused, stay grounded, but still be able to, to conduct myself in clubs, in restaurants, doing the, as your son said, this hard life of gig freelancing, working here, working there. And to my surprise, I found 80% of the people that were in these areas were already church musicians, or at least had a background in church and just 
like me, sometimes felt like a fish out of water. And that's really where God gets came from, me trying to serve these people that are in the same area that as, as I was, it also had the same needs. You know, that's, that brings up an interesting thought, uh, and, and I don't know if any studies have ever been done, but I would have to guess in our, in our country, in the United States, uh, churches served, uh, especially over the last hundred years, as uh, growing grounds for musicians. And so we, we've, lost, uh, we've, we've lost appreciation for how many, like you just said, quote-unquote secular musicians or marketplace musicians probably have some ties of sorts back into a church setting. Uh, I would have to say, from my, get this, I have no, I have no data on this. That, that would be an right, awesome right. study to take. But I would just say personally, I would put that number close to. I think I, see, I used the eighty, and I, that yeah, I, that might be yeah. conservative. Um, because as you just said, think about you know the the places where we as 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 musicians grew up. Where were we going to get our education? There are only two places. Usually, it was a school, right? You had uh-huh, a school uh-huh. program. And you were probably singing either if you, even if your your family wasn't yeah even if your family wasn't religious you were still well, you're going to sing in a choir or you play an instrument or you're going to go there and you're going to play yeah. the drums because you can play drums over there and they can they can use you or any any you know obviously in both in any culture you can name African American Latin culture any culture you name music is a serious major part of their culture and nine times out of ten the where the place that that ends up being formed as you mentioned is in the local churches, in the religious assembly, it's in the, uh, the, the basements of, in the choir rehearsals. And these were all these amazing singers. I mean, I could go down the list of all of our, 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 our stars. You're 90% find that they started in church. And uh, that, again, as it started to raise, it's, it raises this interesting question of, you know, has, you know, I, I, I always hate to point the finger, but has the church missed out? Not necessarily that these people should have stayed as you know, strictly ministerial musicians and church musicians and church singers, but did the church miss out on on nurturing them as they went out? And that's kind of again, that's where my 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 community tries to fill some of that role. We can't fill all of it, but I do encourage churches to look at that really seriously because there are, there's an underserved population out there. Yeah, what does that look like, right, for the the local congregation, the local church? to nurture the musicians that God has gifted it with so that as they do grow and go, uh, they're taking Jesus with them and they're not losing that connection uh, with, that, with, that, with that ministry. It's, you know, one of the things we, we know in our network and uh, at 5.2 is that over 50% of the people in your community don't believe Jesus is God. They think he's a teacher, maybe, you know, he's a pretty highly respected figure in a number of religions, but not, not God. And yet the, the, uh, the Christians who know how to uh, create new ways for people to meet Jesus often go unnoticed and appreciated, these entrepreneurial people, because uh, of that silo effect and that local congregation not really knowing what to do with them, and there's no nurturing of that gift and, and helping them. Uh, explore new ways of, of bringing Jesus to bear, and you're doing that uh, in in your life and in your ministry. So, so God in gigs, you said, is really to help the creative, who is in the is in the marketplace in performing arts, etc. Uh, help them flourish in that in that arena. Absolutely, I love the fact I love that word flourish. It's absolutely, and I've I've 
struggled with this even as I've created content for the last four or five years, the podcast and blogs and all these things. I've always almost had the same kind of struggle between, well, am I talking too much about God or am I talking not enough? I mean, the beginning of my, my entire title was God and Gigs. I made a commitment from the get-go that this was going to be a faith-centered thing. But as, I, as, you, as you know, I'm, pro, I'm sure very well that once you enter the marketplace, there is this assumption that, oh, well, it's either one or the other. And if I start talking a lot about finances or how to get a how to keep a job or how to get a career there's this uns oh well i thought you're you not were. really religious yeah exactly you're not, you're clearly not. i'm not especially since i don't even you know use a lot of labeling in terms of christian i i do say faith focused i say things like that but i could continue to open my doors of course to anybody who wants to improve their creative life because i know jesus is at the bottom of that that funnel god is at the you know once you dig down to the truth you will you know, my book starts with all these things and then ends with, you know, my, my last step is uh, evangelizing through your gift. And then I share the good news and I explain, well, you know, if you want all these things that come with a great creative life, you're not going to be able to keep it if you don't have a relationship with God. Um, that being said, again, I think that's where it's such an interesting thing that we all in this, especially, and I, I, I want to stretch out the gig word again, because you've heard of a lot of people now call this the gig economy. So we're not, again, it's great to talk about creative arts and the musicians and the, and the creatives, but I mean, we're all in this place where, you know, there's so many people that are not relying on, can't rely on the nine to five, everything's been shifted. And so I think, again, this mentality of saying, okay, how can I help people see the connection between work and faith, between what God has for them and their purpose? Uh, one of my favorite authors, I, I promote him all the time and talk about him is Jordan Rayner. I got to have him on my podcast and he does an incredible job of connecting those, those areas of faith, business and work. And I think I just kind of like piggyback on that on, again, focus on creative arts, focus on musicians and artists and creatives, but still saying that God gave you a purpose and a gift to use anywhere. And you bless him with your excellence. You bless him by doing excellent work to the glory of God. And then you know, we want to improve your life around that because all these blessings should follow it. You know, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things, you know, including can commercial success or financial success or creative success, not to aim for those things. But if you're doing excellent work as a creative, you shouldn't be surprised. You know, I, I really am trying to kill the starving artist mentality, you know, that a lot of us have that, you know, somehow this should not be a fulfilling and uh, profitable work. Right. It, it, uh, it, it, and, and how how to help people uh, embrace the financial uh, sustainability of that in a way that doesn't become the only thing or even the central thing, but is definitely an important part of of making a living and and using your gifts. So so really, kind of as I hear you talk, and especially as you talked about that God going all the way down to Jesus, it reminded me of Acts 17 in Paul's sermon there in the Areopagus and how he starts in this big creative thing, right? You know, all the God who created all that you see and da-da-da-da, and then he ends up in the resurrection. And and some people reject him, but but I love that little phrase he said, Paul says, or Luke says, you know, there were some who wanted him to come back and talk more about that. Uh, you know, as you made this transition, as you decided to go all in, in, in this type of ministry and, and, and really take all of the history that God had given you, the experience he'd given you, and start it fresh in a new way, what, what were, say, two or three of the biggest struggles that you had in, in making that jump? 
Like I tell you, the first one is probably the one that is still there. And that is, how do I make money and continue this lifestyle as now, if I, I talked to my wife the other day, I said, how long has it been since I've had a full-time job? And we had to kind of go back <laughs> thinking, okay, when was, and it really was, it's been 10, almost nine, 10 years now since uh, that, that, that transition around uh, 2009, 2010. And one of the biggest things that I've told some of my own um, people in my community is don't wait to start thinking again about the practical, about the monetization, about the what do I offer the world and the marketplace? God's given me certain gifts. He's given me certain desires and certain dreams, but I have to think practically about how I'm going to present those. And uh, I just want to be be honest with you, be transparent in front of it. Like, you know, this is not, you know, definitely not the, the millionaire's row when it comes, you know, to my community. These are groups of people who are definitely learning as we go how to, 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 find the provision, how to find the resources, how to create those avenues that, that provide the income that make a creative life possible. Now I've done it, you know, as you can see, I've been able to do it, but it's been by hook and crook, by learning by, by, by each step. So one of the biggest struggles has been, you know, this can't be a hobby. Like you said, I had to jump in. I had to say, this is a business. Um, you know, what I do musically as well in terms of my music side, same thing. I can't, you know, preach about knowing your worth and, charging things and then be scared to tell people <laughs> or send an invoice. So there's been a lot of us introspection in my side, uh, on my side uh, of, of being, being honest about the struggles and being able to say, hey, you know what? I can do this if I simply take um, some mentorship, take some lessons, take some classes and learn how to be a entrepreneur. I that was one of the big struggles. I had to, had to eat some humble pie and learn from some people. And I guess the other second one would be, um, being uh, willing to to kind of like kind of like side side same course, being willing to, to admit when I didn't know something because as a coach and creative, you get kind of like the the almost like you said the status where people look at you like oh you know you you you're so gifted and you so and you know that you know how to play the piano, and the struggle is to bring yourself back and say wait a minute even if I am really good at this. I really have no idea and I have to ask for help. So the humility to say, hey, to my beautiful wife who's gifted in everything administrative, she's everything I'm not, you know, and, and to be able to say, honey, I have no idea how to, to balance this spreadsheet. Can you help me? Can you help me with this file? Can you help me organize these people, bringing these people over? Uh, and the same thing in my, my circle of community, being willing to say, hey, I'm, I, I'm not the end all be all to even as a solopreneur, I need a team. And so that's been a struggle for me as well to say, I can't do it all myself. I got to learn how to, to pull people in. So those two, I think are probably my biggest struggles and I'm still learning. So just recapping that, uh, the first one was on how to monetize your gift, uh, your passion, you know, uh, the phrase we used in our home, cause we also homeschooled. So when I saw that from you, I thought, Hey, there's another, you know, uh, common soul, uh, our our phrase was turn passion into pay. Okay, so how how what does that really look like? And obviously there are business best practices. There are marketing channels, and and in our in our training, our start new training, we talk a lot about who is it you're serving and what are then the things that they're looking to achieve that you can help them achieve and how you're going to monetize that. So yeah, that's a huge issue. So in your second one then on the asking for help, uh, we're very team oriented in everything we do because that's that that aspect of knowing what your gifts are and what you're bringing to the party, 
but then knowing what your weaknesses are and who can come alongside of you. Do you have anybody in particular that as you've done that, obviously you mentioned your wife and amen to that. Have there been a couple others that, that, you know, God's gifted you with, who's really helped you in this journey? Uh, I would have to say my pastors at Metro life, uh, Steve and Mary Alessi. Um, that was kind of the continuous of the pivot that God was giving me. And I, I, I wish I could tell the whole story, but I, I could try to truncate it. Um, basically, three days after I handed in my resignation to my former ministry, um, I got a call finding out that this particular ministry, which is now my church, was looking for a music minister, but I did not know that at the time. And so Pastor Stephen Mary, uh, Mary Alessi is a, is a world-renowned songwriter, worship leader, um, you know, uh, sister to Martha Menezi, they're both like power twins. It's incredible. They both written, you know, you know, mega, mega, mega hits. And, you know, if you want to use the word hits for, for worship. And, um, I feel like when I got into that environment and seeing other artists, her, uh, just really just being, being herself, realizing that you didn't have to be in a plane or some kind of superhuman place to be either a anointed leader of, of worshipers and a worship leader and a, and a pastor. You didn't have to have an aura. You didn't have to have a, uh, you know, a cape on and also being able to be uh, the, uh, be able to be real and excellent at your craft. That was just a real turning point for me. And uh, I, I couldn't talk about anything God engaged without talking about them and my pastor and, and their leadership of letting my family really heal from a lot of, you know, I'm, I'm never going to again dismiss any chapter of my life, but there was a lot I needed to work out of after being a full-time minister and that being part of Metro Life and being under Stephen Mary Alessi really created the safe space for me to birth what became, you know, my new life as far as it being uh, in, this, in this, this arena. I really have to give them, you know, a lion's share of the credit and thank God for them. I, I just, I want to make sure the listeners, as, as you're listening to this, the the humility that's present, even in this phrase of being under, and and how we we live our lives under authority, and and uh, we we actually uh, some authority we're not we're not given the decision on getting to live under that authority, but then there are opportunities for us to place ourselves under, which are often incredibly fruitful experiences in life and refreshing. So praise God for that in your life with them. Uh, and want to just encourage others of us who are thinking about starting something new, you're t- thinking about taking a new step in life. That That's always one of my questions. So who is it you're going to put yourself under and learn from so you can avoid the landmines, you can avoid those those uh, pitfalls, uh, let them guide you? Because I think as you're talking about a creative coach, really what, what you're doing is you're you're a creative guide for people, right? You're helping them figure out the path that that uh, is best for them. But, you know, you've already been down that one over there and you really don't want to go there. So uh. <laughs> exactly. I like, I, I, I've, I've, tur- I've tuned into this word Sherpa recently. Oh yeah. yeah I've seen that right. a couple of times. And, and I, I, I think, I think it was Michael Hyatt actually when another, another one of the, the influencers I followed when I first started was Michael Hyatt, obviously coming from, you know, Thomas Nelson and publishing it. And then he created this whole entrepreneurial side. And so I was following him and he, he, he mentioned that in one of his first talks about what kind of guy or what kind of entrepreneur are you? And he mentioned the Sherpa as someone that walks alongside you and doesn't necessarily get to the top of the mountain with you or doesn't even necessarily want to stay at the top of the mountain. Sherpas don't sit at the top and, you know, call you up. They usually walk you along the path, like you said, follow, find, finds the pit holes and the, the places where you could fall. 
but then kind of, you know, allows you to get to the mountaintop yourself. And so that's kind of what I see that's in my great, role. That's a great picture. Great picture. And you've been there, like you said, uh, you enjoy going, but you don't want to live there. And you, you, but you really enjoy more helping people get there. Exactly. Yeah. That's, Once where, I re- that's, that's that, that, like you said, the picture, this congealed in my mind when he said like, oh, okay. Because again, thinking about where I am, my space, it is very comparison heavy. It's very tempting to just look at all the people at the top. And again, I'm talking about people who have won multiple Grammys and all these other accolades. And you just say, well, I'm just a guy in you know, Florida who, who has a ministry, a, 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 lo- a local church and, and, a, and a microphone. But you know, that whole God doesn't call to qualify, he qualifies to call thing. He clearly wanted me to be in this space because I don't have to sit at the top of the mountain. I don't have those stresses of having to tour and run around and do the things that these other uh, musicians that have been called to those stages, they've been called to that. And that's where I try to like help them, you know, when they do come back, hey, real life is still here for you. Your family's still here, your relationships. And 90% of the games that have been, the ones that have been successful, I talk to them and that's what they say. I'm still grounded, like you mentioned. I'm still under a pastor. I still, when I come off the mountain, <laughs> when I come back, all these great, great things that are happening, they still have that. And so I'm encouraging people under me to follow their example so that they don't get caught across that while, they, while they're on the way there. That, that's, uh, that's fantastic. I can't, I gotta ask this question. As you, as you made this transition, or maybe just in general, what, what brings you the most joy? What, what, uh, what, what gets Alan up every day and uh, kind of feeds your heart uh, as, you're, as you're going about your ministry? Uh, I, I mean, I, I think we already hit it. I, it, it really does. And I've said 2020 is the year of no cliches, right? I mean, it really does make me realize this is worth it when you get that one text or that one, you know, uh, Facebook comment that says, uh, thank you so much. I needed to hear that because again, the comparison cancer can be, oh, I just needed numbers or not enough podcast downloads or how many people watch my YouTube video. And instead it's like realizing that God did have a purpose and all that pain, all that craziness of deciding, okay, am I going to be a full-time minister? Am I going to be an educator? Am I going to be this? Am I going to be that? Does it even make sense to write a book? You know, all of these things, these questions are answered every time somebody is served. And I can say that honestly. Um, If somebody is served at the end of the day, that I can see that this particular, and it's not always, you know, the way I expect it. You know, sometimes it's been things like my music side where I've been doing live streaming, which I hate to be on video. Even now it's like really uncomfortable trying to get used to being on video. And now we're all in these Zoom boxes all the time. But doing a live stream show that I never would have done it than having one of my friends uh, uh, who watches the show text me and say, I'm, I'm, my husband is immunocompromised and just had a kidney transplant. And there's no way we're going out. We can't, we can't risk it. We can't risk COVID. And this is bringing us life. So even if, again, in a place where I'm just playing my piano, playing, you know, cocktail music and, and, and jazz on a, on, a, on a weekday for a, for a live stream is still ministering to people. So those moments, absolutely keep me going because if it was just about the success and you know making it i would have had a whole nother aspect a whole nother you know approach to life and that's not my approach so those little text reminders are what keep me going when you when you see the personal impact and the 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 uh the benefit to others of of what you're doing absolutely Excellent. yeah it makes it it makes all the difference it makes all the difference so, so Alan, in kind of wrapping up here today, what is one thing you would tell someone 
and, and maybe it's something we've already said, maybe it's something new, but what's one thing you would tell someone who's wanting to launch out on their own, they're about to take that step, you know, you've only got one thing you can say, and uh, what would you tell them? Okay, the three words that immediately, well, I don't know if it's right, but I'll, I'll, I'll call, I'll, I'll, I'll pray the Holy Spirit gave it right. Give yourself grace. Give yourself grace because, you know, the whole it's a marathon, not a sprint thing. It is just so tempting to assume you're supposed to get it right on the first try or the first the first whatever, like you said, starting new. And, the, and it's like, you know, we kind of have this optimism, which is a good optimism, right? We want to have faith and belief that success is coming. But that first stumble can make you feel like I made the wrong choice. This never should have happened. And, you know, I think it's so important that we, the same grace that we're supposed to give to people uh, as, as Christians, as believers, that we're supposed to, you know, restore people in the spirit of gentleness and just always be ready to give people that second chance as God gives us second chances. We have to give ourselves that second chance and not be so hard on ourselves. That self-talk and negative self-talk is a killer and could have talked me out of my passion, could have talked me out of doing this when things didn't happen. And so I think that's the one thing I would tell people is to be patient, give yourself grace, keep learning you know, keep trying to improve. All those things are important. And, you know, that I think that kind of goes without saying, because doers that try to do things like this and start things and entrepreneurs, we generally have no problem, you know, going out to get it. <laughs> jumping, when, jumping out, right. Right, jumping out. But then when you, <laughs> but when the net doesn't appear right away, that's when the fear can jump back in. So I, I would just tell everybody to give yourself grace, give yourself time and don't be hard on yourself. Just know that you're there for a purpose. If you had that initial leaning and God gave you that, he's going to give you, the provision in time and he's going to teach you as you go. So don't be afraid for those first couple of bumps to come around. Just be expect them, be ready for them and know that it actually probably proves you're on the right path. Amen. Amen. At the end of the day, all we have is grace. When you go to bed at night, that's all you're going to be able to rest in, no matter how your day went. You're going to wake up with more of it. (laughs) You're going to wake up with more of it. So live it, live in that grace. Uh, That, that is, that's perfect. So, those of you who are looking to launch out to start new things, whether they're nonprofits or businesses, whether it's a solopreneur or more of a team launch, remember that aspect of grace that Jesus loves you. He adores you. He's given himself for you. Uh, and just live in that and rest in that. That's what's going to see you through. That's what's going to help you persevere, especially as you hit walls and you don't see things materialize like you'd want to see right away. Alan, thank you so, so much. Uh, you, God and Gigs, uh, where can people go to get your book, to learn more about you? Uh, let's make sure, and I know Chapman will put this in the, the notes as well, but go ahead and, and where can we go for that, Alan? Well, first, Bill, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to do this. It's been a cra- I love this conversation. I wish I could do this every day with people like you and, 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 and environments like this. Uh, they can find anything related to God and Geeks at GodandGeeks.com. That's the same thing for all socials, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Just simply type in God and Geeks. I always tell people put S after the gig, not after the G, not after God. It's not gods <laughs> and gigs. Okay, we're not doing we're not doing the multiple thing. This is only it's the one true God. Okay, so God at Geeks.com for all those socials. They can also follow me at Alan C. Paul. I also, some of you mentioned, you know, used to be a homeschool daddy and now I have pretty much everything. I try to, you know, I have all the, my hands on all these different things. So I try to find one place to put them. And so I'm trying to put all of my music and God and gigs and my writings for, you know, faith, career, relationships, entrepreneurship. I'm trying to kind of house that 
at alancpaul.com. And once again, the socials for that is all the same thing, Alan C. Paul on all the other social networks. So friends, alancpaul.com or godandgigs.com. I want to encourage you to go there, especially those of you in the creative area of life as you're seeking to discern how culture, Christianity, uh, performing arts, your church background, your faith in Jesus, how all that intersects in a God-pleasing way that brings honor to Jesus, but also keeps you sane and blesses you and your family. So I want to encourage you all to do that. Alan, thank you so much for being with us today. Have a wonderful Christmas as well with your family, and God be with you. Thanks. Same to you and your family. God bless. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Appreciate it. Thank you. The Start New Podcast was produced by Chapman Shanefelt with special help from Nick Taylor. Brought to you by the 5-2 Network. Original music by Nick Taylor. I'm Abigail Taylor. Thanks for listening.